Welcome back, everybody. This is the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. How are you guys doing today? This is our Monday show, our new show. We're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff on how Star Wars movies are made and really get into the ridiculousness of what it's like to do some blue collar style making of movies and uh, try to make poke a little fun at conspiracies that are made about them, like, you know, recording under a blanket or something. I don't know. But anyway, like I said, I'm John James and Lacey are here with me. Why does your audio sound so good? (laughs) (laughs) So the audio listeners don't know that I was just recording that whole intro there under a blanket. And we'll explain why. But that's how it's done. We'll explain why in a little bit. But I bet I just sounded so good. You actually did because there was no echo. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I don't know. Are you guys, uh, how you guys doing? What's going on? James, what's what what what's the deal? What's the deal with you? Did it did, was that a weird was that a weird intro for you? Did you feel odd about that whole situation? Nope, not one bit. Excellent, excellent. Um, Lacey, you uh, you you thought that was a good idea, right? Yeah, I, I was the one that said yes, do it. Okay. Well, I seriously, right. people don't realize when I joined this podcast, I used to record do in it. a closet. Yep. You did with no lights. We, that was before we were One full light. video too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get going though, I want to send a special thank you. Usually I do this at the end of the show, and I know some of you, some of you tune out, and it's a big mistake because sometimes we have really funny banter at the end of the show, and we slip in things that you may need to know about the future. But anyway, mm. uh, typically, typically I thank our Patreon generals at the end of the show, but I want to uh, start this show off today uh, with a special thank you to them. So I want to shout out our Patreon generals, Carmelo. Andrew Staley, Neil Lowry, Jeremy Myers, Neil Shaw, David Probus, John Reese. I love how the, the two Beard brothers are right next to each other. Mm. General Beard, General <laughs> Graybeard. Um, Seth Kime, Micah Harrison, Tampa Movie Guy, which, um, you know, I'm just saying it, Gary. You're Gary, and you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan, and I'm sorry that you are, because the Yankees are winning the World Series. Michael Gaines and Val Trichkov. Generals, you're the best. Thank you so much for all your support on Patreon. Um, wanted to give you a shout at the top of the episode this week, um, just to let you know how much you guys mean to us, so thank you for that. Um, all right, guys, so it's uh, the new show. It's the Resistance Report, and James is going to take us there right now. It's the resistance. What's the song where they go, take you there? I'll take you there. No, not that one. Oh. I don't know what I'm thinking of. I'll take you there. Something. Nah, all right. Hey, uh, (laughs) did you guys uh, listen to that phone call the other day? No, but I just followed all the stuff online about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what? I do. I do have to say something about that phone call real quick. Did you like the the? First of all, it sounds like bad AM radio for one thing. Like it's like freak, a webinar. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. music before it is just such odd choices. I don't know who's in charge of that, but it doesn't like you wouldn't expect a Disney shareholders quarter one financial call to be like preceded by like. I don't know. Pick your flavor of the month, uh, Ariana Grande, or like something <laughs> like way off color for Disney. Well, for, first of all, we're talking about the Disney Quarter mark. One's earning call. Uh, 
that was a public thing that people could pop in and uh, ask questions and stuff like that. But they report all their, their stuff and they talk about profit and loss and all this. And there's a little bit of Star Wars news. Everybody thinks there's going to be some at least because they got to they gotta recognize one of their biggest properties. But um, what was that? Was that music not? Uh, I didn't know who it was, but I, I just assumed it was like Radio Disney. Like it was just like it one of their artists. It definitely is like, ra- yeah, it's definitely one oh, of their yeah. artists. All right. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was so I was like, oh, this is just like them playing Disney music, but it's a little bit more like regular radio than it was like playing Disney songs like yeah. Hercules Go the Distance or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was okay with it. Um, but, uh, but like I was saying before, uh, we had speculated that there probably wasn't going to be a lot of information. John can kind of attest to, I think we actually got a little bit more than we thought we were going to get. Uh, not that it was a lot, but to me, I, I felt like, uh, him saying twice that the Mando, uh, (laughs) the Mando Mando's returning. The Mandalorian was returning in October. He said it twice. And he even went into how their focus was going to be on television and stuff like that. So there, there was a lot that was, uh, I don't want to say a lot, but I want to say a lot more than we thought. John, g- go into full details about what you uh, anticipated and what we actually received. So I didn't... I got a frog in my throat. Jeez. I didn't think we were going to get a lot. Um, I know, like we said last week on the show, we... We try to look for patterns and quarter one the previous year, he just talked about video game licensing or something like that and, and skipped right over. And that was a huge year for Star Wars and he still didn't talk about much. So going in, didn't expect much. I think this time a lot of people were also kind of reserved because remember last year, people thought he was going to give the title for episode nine and he was going to release all this information. And now people are like, oh, we learned our lesson. So good for you fans, um, just like us learning our lessons and not expecting too much. That's a good thing. Um, him saying Mando's coming out in October surprised me. I thought that was going to be a thing that's just going to be like our new tradition right before Thanksgiving. Here's Mandalorian. So um, that was cool to hear because it's a month earlier than we thought, which means we're going to bring back Mando Fan Show a month earlier than we thought, which is going to be fun. Um, and uh, then he alluded to the that they're considering spinoffs, um, which I thought was uh, an interesting thing for him to say for other characters of the Mandalorian and stuff like that. He mentioned Cassian Andor show, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and that the the focus is going to be on television for the next few years. Um, but, you know, a lot of people ran with that, but I don't think that was new. I think he's been saying that for a while now, that once after episode nine, they're going to be focused on, focusing on Disney Plus content for Star Wars and, taking, and using that word, which is taboo, hiatus. But... We've known the next Star Wars movie has been scheduled for 2022, so this isn't anything shattering the world here. And, you know, to to credit for people who are, you know, anti-Star Wars fans out there, they didn't even have much to run with this either. Because they're like, yeah, I mean, they did say they're not getting another movie until 2022. Um, but looks like the focus is on TV. Spinoffs, I don't know what they're considering for spinoffs. I mean, if they start... Uh, we could talk about that later, I guess. But well, I'll ask. Let, let's pop over to Lacey. What, what's your first thoughts on the spinoffs? Uh, that they're going to do a Cara Dune show. I think that's the first thing that they could do. That's an easy spinoff that people would really, really love. I think she's one of the characters that came out of the series being a fan favorite. Um, I think Gina killed it 
I think Gina would love to carry a show on her own. And there's so much story there that they kind of touched on a little bit of her being from Alderaan and her being, you know, a shock trooper, all this other stuff that you could really get into and be like in that time period of the original trilogy without getting too into Luke, Leia, and Han. Like it's another way to get back into it for those older fans and fans that really love the original trilogy without touching what they love so much. Um, Mm -hmm. which is, I think one of the reasons why the Mandalorian was such a success outside of obviously baby Yoda, which Bob Iger said it was a cultural phenomenon. I completely agree. Every single human being on this planet knows who baby Yoda is at this Mm -hmm. point. So, um, yeah, I think Kara's the first choice. I know people were like, Oh, Moff Gideon. I was like, no, why would they give him his own show? He's the villain of Mandalorian. Like we need him there. Um, but I mean, we've seen a lot of. How did they become the villain stuff? So that could be an option as well. Did you guys have different preferences? Um, so t- two two things, two little things. I, if I was going to do a cartoon show, I would do Grief and Kara together. Like, that might be cool. Yeah. I think at the end of season one, they seemed like they separated so that Mandalorian, you know, could go on his own thing and they could continue the show with him. But where the other two's characters left off as like, ah, they're friends now. They're going to continue to work together. And so it seemed more like a um, kind of what we thought we were going to get with the Mandalorian in the first place. Grief gives her a mission. Maybe she goes and does some stuff and kind of come, then comes back. Um, The other thing I would say to add to that though, is that they're probably considering spinoffs of things in based on season two and we're going, well, the Cara Dune show's got to be it. But it's like, <laughs> right. we have no clue what characters, and they're totally aware of them. They're like, that's going to be a hit. This is a way cooler character than Grief and Kara adventures, you know? So, um, right. People we have also to, we have to wait. At, like, yeah. Phoenix Shand was one that people were <sighs> thinking because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is over. And so, we, I, she, in, in my opinion, she was blown out of proportion going into the show. Be, every, it's it was Ming-na. like that's what it was i guess so but i i just i i remember talking <laughs> about her as if she was like bb9e or something and we're all like oh man this droid's <laughs> gonna be crazy and then James, it's like i mean look <laughs> at look at fans of boba fett that's different though no it's not boba fett was on screen for like three minutes in the original trilogy <laughs> she may have had more screen time than boba fett you know they what I mean? could do a heist crew show. Like what I'm saying Bill is, like, Star people. Wars fans like latch onto a character, even a small character, and they're like, "That one's mine," because no one else like. So I that you know, and it becomes like a cult thing. And like like I agree with Lacey, yeah. Ming Na is uh, very popular, but it's like the a, Spice Girls. Everybody has their yeah. favorite. Mm. <laughs> exact posh. It's always posh is the, always the answer. Um, <laughs> Bosk Spice. <laughs> Bosk Spice. So we did run a poll about this, um, and I tried to do it where. I deflected getting pummeled with baby Yoda gifts if we mm-hmm. made him an option. So I said, assuming they don't make a series based on baby Yoda, uh, which would be like the dumbest cash grab of all time. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's him like learning how to make stew in a hut or yeah, something. Like blues clues or something. Yeah. Uh, I said, who who out of existing characters in the Mandalorian would you want to see a spinoff made out of? And Cara Dune, obviously, like Lacey said, took the cake at 60%. Um, followed by Moff Gideon at 26, um, and then Fennec Shand, 8%, Grief Cargo, only 5%, 
So not too many Carl Weathers fans out there. Um, but with over 3,000 votes. So thanks to everybody for um, participating in that. It took off pretty well. Um, and you're right, though, James. It could be something that they're looking at for a season two if they can start incorporating more characters or new characters and stuff. And you know what's funny about series, though? For some reason, my brain instinctually always wants to go prequel when someone says spinoff because that's what we usually do with Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan, prequel, Cassian, prequel. The prequels, prequel. <laughs> it's like, so we, we're never going like lateral. Oh, one's a sequel though in my head. Yeah, but it's also a prequel because we know his fate in a way. You know, we, we know the end of Obi-Wan. Yeah. So I guess it's my, just because I'm thinking of Ewan McGregor picking up said, where he left off. But. Yeah, because when Lacey said, you know, Cara Dune, uh, it's a no brainer and it is. My brain goes, oh, younger Cara Dune and how she was this and did that. And she was on Alderaan. But it could be she leaves Mando and just does some stuff like now. That That's exactly. I, I didn't at all think what you were saying. I was like, it's exactly this right. point forward. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That would be interesting. Um, but yeah, who knows? I, but I, I don't know. I, I didn't expect him to say this much about it. He could also just be saying this to Grandstand to shareholders saying like, yeah, we're considering all these different Star Wars series and we have a lot in the pipeline because the truth of the matter is they don't know what they're doing for movies right now, um, as far as I was told. so Well, don't uh, forget too that it was Alan Horn, I think, that said they were considering that since The Mandalorian was so popular, it may lead to a film. Yeah. So I thought when he started that sentence, he's like, well, we're doing these shows and then we're doing Mandalorian season two, which it could eventually lead to, of course. And I was like, say it, say you're leading to the potential of a film. We've already heard this news. And he said more spinoff series with some of the characters. And I said, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a twist. Yeah. Um, but, but it's not, it's not, not on the plate. They've talked, they've publicly said we've, right. we've, kicked around the idea of the Mandalorian leading up to a feature. So I think Alan and Bob get together and they'll like afterwards they're like, dude, why'd you say that? Like we never dude, talked about a spinoff movie. Alan and Bob are like <laughs> Kevin Feige and a Amy Pascal. <laughs> they're like sitting in a meeting <laughs> and they're like, Oh yes. Uh, we'll figure out if Spider-Man is in the Marvel universe or not. <laughs> like, well, yeah. 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 Uh, what if that? What if Taika? What if that's his movie? What if they're starting to develop a Mando like a movie, and he's the one directing it? Who knows? But could yeah. be, could be. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention real quick about this story is the the hiatus thing, um, because I think you're exactly right, John. When somebody says the word hiatus, I think nine times out of ten, the average person associates that word with a band went on hiatus, which means they broke up and they're done. They're not working on anything else. Yeah. They, they, they separated. There's no future projects in the works mm -hmm. right now for the, the foreseeable future. And, uh, so I think where the bad, the negativity came out of that is him saying the word hiatus and people go, well, that, that just doesn't, that means they're not even working on movies or they're not even thinking yeah. about movies. And it's like, no, we're just taking a break from releasing the movies every single year. Um, but it's not that we're, we don't still have an album quote unquote planned for 2022. It's still in the works, right? We're still doing right. that. 
So yeah. I, I want to clarify that because I saw a little bit of that uh, stuff. Lacey, anything else you want to add about the, the earnings call? No, I just love that a bunch of people that aren't shareholders always listen to these phone calls. And Bob's like, hello, everyone, knowing that there's a ton of random people listening to this yeah. phone call. Like, you have to know as Bob, you're like, oh, a bunch of people that are not supposed to be on this call are on this call. And there's mm-hmm. something really weird about that, right? That you get to listen in, you like feel like kind of cool. You're like, oh, I'm on a Disney call. Yeah. It's it like also a fly be for- on the call. It could also be mm. an advert in its own way for potential like shareholders. What, like, what if someone's like, "I was thinking about buying Disney stock. Let me check in on sure their quarter yeah. one and see if I want to buy a share for one hundred and forty dollars." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've listened in on um, Apple does these too. When is TRB gonna let's buy some shares so we can say we we, we officially yeah we officially are like share, shareholders. Um, my favorite, uh, like, I'm so glad though on these calls, they don't do the stereotypical corporate America things. Like we're just going to wait a couple minutes till everyone comes onto the call. Uh, can everyone hear me? (laughs) If you, if you're making noise, can you please put yourself on mute? (laughs) You know, I'm not, I'm not positive that there, there were basically three different presentations. Like, you know, this person handed it off to this person. And then at the end, when they were all through with their spiels, then they did the, the questions. I'm not uncertain that they're, they didn't, they weren't handed the piece of paper. They read and recorded the piece of paper and then played it back over the phone. And then, and then when it got to questions, then they were just there ready to answer questions. I don't think so, but I do agree with that. They probably read something off a piece of paper. Oh, I don't 100%. think they pre-recorded it though, because of the question answer thing. If there was no question answer, I would totally be on it. Like I would be on that like yeah they totally recorded this well what i'm saying is like you get on the call you push play like it does its thing and then and then like bob comes into the room and they're like okay yeah you're it's it's playing the thing right now we need you to start answering questions here in 45 seconds yeah maybe i don't know that just seems like that more because then you don't make like you don't fumble or lose your place when you're reading the paper i kind of agree with that like, what if like, he's, like, trying to... I know he didn't talk about Project Luminous, which, James, you brought up. He's like, he probably has no idea what that is. <laughs> no uh, idea. No imagine clue. he was like, and then uh, our great Disney Disney Lucasfilm Press is creating this thing called uh, Project Luminous. And, uh, yeah, people, he's like, Project like, Looney Tunes. Oh, jeez, Bob. I but anyway, that. yeah, that's besides the point. And that's conspiracy theory, too. Like, how do you think they're doing it? I bet it's a, <laughs> conspiracy I bet he's a robot. Theory, how they're doing corporate right. calls. Bob <laughs> know, Iger's yeah, not a real but... person. Bob Iger's a deep fake. He's not even a real person. Oh, he's real. I've seen him. So have I. I have <laughs> not. Okay. Um, all right. So last week, we actually got uh, a lot of cool new things having to do with the effects that were in the Rise of Skywalker. We got a specific piece uh, from Vanity Fair that was about the visual effects, and then a whole bunch of other outlets covered things that had to do with the sound effects uh, within the movie. Um, I just wanted to, to kind of talk about these things that we got and discuss a little bit about, um, how we thought it, they were kind of revealing, you know, behind the curtain. Um, before we get into the sound effects stuff, let's, let's start off with the visual effects. Lacey, um, do, did you watch this video or did you read the article? I did both. I both. prepared. 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no. I watched the video when they posted it, when Anthony Bresnikan posted the clip of it, and then I went and watched it inside the article for Vanity Fair. Um, it's super cool. This stuff is always super cool. When I did uh, the exhibit for Solo Star Wars Story, um, the ILM did a special reel for us that showed how they did the visual effects for that movie. So, like, these kind of things are really cool to see how it all comes together. It's, like, my favorite thing. I love behind the scenes. You guys know this. Um, I it, it amazes me. I knew that there was a lot of visual effects in this movie, but I didn't realize how much of it was visual effects. And, and that might sound dumb, <laughs> but I, I feel like I didn't realize... Because J.J.'s a big practical effects guy. So, they showed all these important moments, and you're like, wow, that... All they did was, you know, add more dust, but it makes it that much better. But the crazy part is they added things that made the scenes better that you didn't think were CG, which is always the best, right? So like the Leia stuff, you know it's CG. But when Rey and Kylo were fighting, they took all the real water out and put fake water in to make the scene work. Like that to me is crazy because they were like, well, cannons don't shoot water the way that coming up off a pier works. And you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So they like they had them drenched for six days and then they ended up removing all the water and putting fake water in. Yeah, it's insane. Um, the other thing that was crazy, and I feel like, James, you kind of feel for this one too, is all the ships that they had, they had over 16,000 ships and it took 8.4 million hours to render. Which James and I know from rendering videos is the biggest pain to wait for a video to render and export and then upload. 8.4, that is insane, which means they probably use like render farms and stuff. Uh, But yeah, no, the coolest thing for me was the wire shot with Ray. Is that what the article said? 8.4 million hours? How do they even get that calculation? Because 8.4 million hours is years. That's that's what's on the. I wonder I if it's one of those that... things where it's like the space shuttle uses thirty six horsepower, and it's like a calculation based on what regular render time is. Oh, it's processor. It's processor time. It's not like legit time. It's like oh, yeah, yeah, in light speed, whatever you know, parsecs. It's like mm-hmm. talking to parsecs. So it's like, oh, it took this many hours, but I mean, still, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sixteen thousand ships. So good luck identifying all of them when but I, then, saw, I tried to stop sorry. the video and look and see if when i saw the <laughs> shot that showed like the backs of the ships too i'm like yeah that n- not a lot of things blow my mind that blew my mind i was like this wasn't just some kind of like matte painting or like we're right just we made jokes of- about copy paste like copy paste copy paste yeah. copy paste copy like, it's it like is they not- showed the, all the engines and all the afterburners and all the stuff on all these ships like right. it was like there was a real 360 degree filming of all these ships mm-hmm yeah. It's insanity. Uh, the coolest thing that I thought was the wire work they did with um, Ray's stunt double. Because uh, I knew someone had done it, but you never know like how much of the shot is actual practical. Like she, they lifted her up off the ground. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she went up there and then landed like in that superhero drop, which... Deadpool says is hard on the knees. So which is weird because we all know from the Han Jabba scene in the special edition, they could just pick her up and move her. (laughs) (laughs) That shot is really bothered to get a harness. 
Right. But that shot, I knew part of it was obviously CG because of the ship. But I mean, unless the ship's real, who knows? Mm. I'm just joking. Uh, But that shot alone, you don't know like how high, like you said, she's jumping. No, they had her on a wire and they like pulled her up. (laughs) She went up. You have no idea how high I can fly. (laughs) I'm terrified of heights. And I just saw that and was like, huh. Me too. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, I think Babu Frick was cool. I couldn't believe how many hands there were behind him making him go. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's cool. This stuff's awesome. These videos are funny because there's a very good purpose for them. They're highlighting how much work actually goes into uh, these, you know, reconstructions of these scenes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because uh, they go, look, it's not just a button press you know, to get this, we have to add this and this and this. But it's funny because it also kind of makes it look like it's easy. Because they're like, "Look, you just add water, oh, uh, yeah. put some, put some dust in, in there, mm-hmm. uh, replace <laughs> the sky. No big deal." And it, it, so it even it counterbalances how difficult it is. They're trying to highlight that, but it also makes it look like this stuff is so easy. Look, we just we, we throw a visor on Ray, put some dirt on her face, no big deal. And it's like that's mm-hmm. incredibly that's hours and hours and thousands of dollars that go to these people that spend weeks and weeks and weeks just to do like uh, a, a a ten second clip. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just absolutely right. ridiculous. And they're like, yeah, just see see what we added. Boop, 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 boop. Consider us for Oscar nomination. You know, that's all yeah. that it is. John, so, anything stick out? Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead, Lacey. I was just going to add that the other thing away from visual effects really quick, because I brought it up, was with the Ray shot. Not many people know this outside of filmmaking or photography. That time of day that they shot that shot at, they have like maybe 45 minutes to get that shot. It's called magic hour or golden hour. It's when the light hits perfectly horizontal on the uh, on the landscape and makes mm. everything really gold and beautiful and wonderful. Like you have 45 minutes to do it. So I can only imagine how nuts that was when they were filming that or how many days it took to get. Yeah. Sorry. Fun fact. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's in, like you were just saying about the water stuff, like the fact that they quantified the amount of fake gallons of water that they put in like (laughs) so yeah we rendered 140 million gallons of water and stuff and i'm like that's just crazy and the fact that they cgi they photoshop out real water to add fake water is just like that's that's not good not good enough bring in the fake um no the leia thing uh very interesting because back in june we were tipped off from a very wonderful uh, source who had, uh, kind of told us how they were going to be creating Leia. So we had an article, and I included it in our version of this article on Star Wars Newsnet to reflect back to, of how they made Leia with a stand-in, like an old, an older person who, like Carrie Fisher's age, as a stand-in, and then they were able to render her environment behind her, change her outfit tones, her hair, and all this stuff, and then import Carrie's facial expressions and that sort of thing um, onto that. Um, and... Then, I mean, so that that's amazing in in and of itself, let alone all this other stuff we're talking about. They brought they brought Carrie Fisher back to life. And I know we're all watching it knowing that Carrie Fisher had died. But I bet if someone didn't know that she had passed and they watched this movie, they wouldn't have said, oh, that's weird. They would have been like, oh, OK, that's there's there's that woman. And she's a part of this movie. Right. Um 
So I, I find that just a, a remarkable achievement uh, that they were able to pull that off. And it makes me wonder if they should go back and fix Rogue One because I still think that looks really weird. The Leia I think she, the I think she looks better in Rogue One than she does in Red Skywalker. That's literally insane. That. No, no, the part where she is in the woods with Luke are all together, James. I mean, I haven't seen the movie that many times, but even when I'm watching the the clip of the visual breakdown and stuff, I go, I I can see, just my brain knows that this is the segment that is her, mm. and how they've they've added it over the same camera pans and stuff, and I I I don't know, it, my my brain pops it out. I still don't get why people have problems with the one in Rogue One because to oh. me, there's literally. It's literal perfection. I cannot it's, see no, any issue with it at all. It's it's awful. People talk up Tarkin, and I'm like, no, I can tell that that's Uncanny Valley. I can. It's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just, I can't see any problems at all with the Leia. That's horrible. Just terrible. I mean, they're both how, wonderful how, feats how of visual effects. That is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> You're like, it's horrible. It's terrible. They need to fix it. Go back and fix it. That's ridiculous. They should fix it. Can they you do the voice it. for John at least? <laughs> it's horrible. Take it back. He's actually mad at me right now, though. This is very. This is this is me making because fun of his GPS. Honestly, mad. it's not that bad. It's bad. Okay. Okay. And it's bad. Would be like the first Sonic the Hedgehog. That's bad. That she Leia is Sonic in Rogue the Hedgehog. One is yes. not bad. Yes. She's the first Yoda puppet from Episode One. Oh bad. my. <laughs> Okay, and I know a lot of people agree with me. No one agrees with you. I, you're a, you're that, alone. Like Luke. that statement <laughs> is absolutely ridiculous to me. Like I cannot <laughs> even understand you saying that. It looks like we have our next Star Wars war, so we'll leave it at that. So James, oh, what did you think of the done. visual I mean, effects? No, you're not going to. No, I have one more me. thing to say about the visual effects, and it had to do with the Billy Lord thing because it's been revoked. Your thoughts have been revoked from this conversation. <laughs> That's fine. I'll just keep talking. And then that'll be that. But I'm the, just the, kidding. Go ahead. The Billy Lord thing I thought was beautiful. I thought it was awesome. The fact that she wanted to, uh, you know, step up and, and play her play Leia in a sense, uh, be a stand in for her mom. Uh, and that's the one time you see Leia fighting with a lightsaber and it's Billy Lord doing it for her mom. Um, even though they put obviously Leia's uh, the dailies from Leia over her face, and it's not Billy Lord's face there anymore, the fact that you know that she's there in the suit and she filmed that, knowing she's doing that as a tribute to her mother, I think is very powerful. And uh, it's it's just one of those like awesome moments that we'll always be able to know happened. Uh, and I, I just, I, I love that kind of stuff. And they were able to just go the extra mile to think about doing that and that she wanted to do it. They didn't force her to do it. I know people are like going around saying they forced her to do it and stuff. It's just lunacy. Um, I just think that's a, such a great moment, and I'm glad they did it that way. James? Um, yeah, it's cool, too, because you see it in the that visual effects breakdown. Like, we had heard that, but I don't I don't know. I could be wrong, but if there was anything that, like, directly reported that as fact, is did Mm-mm. she say that ever? No, she didn't that say she, she did stood it? in. I was think her? she mentioned it was magical. She didn't say she stood in for her mom. 
Yeah, I I just kind of got this thing that it had it was kind of like a, a rumored thing, like we knew it, but we it was not mm. really like a, you could point to it anywhere as fact. But then you watch this video, and it's like there's things things swiping across, and and I I did it on Twitter. I was like, I think they showed her face. They also showed the guy who played uh, Luke's, Luke, you know, as well. Yeah. Right. But like you can pause Sebastian this for Stan. a quick second, and you're like, there she is. That's Billy Lord confirmed, like yeah. in this outfit, a hundred percent. Um. Unless they went in and added her face. Yeah. Um, no, but I, yeah, uh, all that stuff, I thought that that was all really good. I, I like the video. Um, I, I Is it weird that the music stuck out to me? <laughs> I don't know. In the the music's video, great. Yeah, it, they always nail it with that. good. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Before we uh, wrap up this section on the effects, I want to talk a little bit about the sound effects, though, because we got a couple different articles, including one from ABC News and our friend Clayton Sandell, who broke down uh, a couple things that we'd been hearing and he reported on those. So, um, anything stick out to you guys specifically about the sound that goes into these movies, not just the visuals, Lacey. First of all, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, there were a lot of people online being angry or throwing no around way. conspiracy. I know conspiracy theories about what it meant that Adam Driver recorded lines in a closet. I'm going to tell you right now, it is a known thing to record in a closet. That's what most people do at home studios. I myself have a home studio in a closet because it's controlled. It's small. You can pad it with either clothes or blankets or sheets or whatever. I mean, Clayton himself put up a photo of him in Hong Kong where he had a blanket over a chair to do his voiceover work. It's a known thing. Ewan McGregor did his lines late in the process. So that is normal. So stop making it the thing that this movie was like off the rails. They had they're throwing Adam Driver in a closet. They these guys in both these articles that we read about the sound stuff, including Clayton's and the one from the Hollywood Reporter, had Matthew Wood and team going around recording these lines with actors on their schedules. So you and McGregor did it under a blanket. Like they filmed all over the world or recorded all over the world because of that. That aside. Lacey, what did they change of the plot in Adam Driver's <laughs> closet? <laughs> that aside, uh, I think that one of the coolest things was how they did the stuff with Leia. Matthew Wood had mentioned that they took a bunch of lines from The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and then kind of with the help of their dialogue department and um, – other people, they like worked together the lines to make sense. So I can only imagine the work that took because they probably had to write out all the dialogue that they had and then piece it all together to then put it into the script to make it work because they, you have to kind of build around Leia's lines, I would imagine. Um, the other thing I thought was super cool was Babu Frick, where Matthew Wood talks about how Shirley Henderson, who's Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter, played Babu Frick. She learned how to puppeteer which we see in the visual effects reel, uh, to play Babu Frick, which I love that someone takes that extra mile to become the character. Um, and so when you see the mouth moving and animating, that's her doing it so that her mouth matched the work that she was doing. And Matthew Wood said that they recorded those live on set and then played them back later, which is really cool in post. Um, other than that, I mean, they used a different sounds like crows slow down for the Han Hans and 
it's kind of crazy what say, they do. Like, you said like a little bit of hippo in there or something like that, yeah. right? What, what was it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's so funny when they talk about how they just layer and layer and layer sounds for certain things. Like, it's like a little bit of this. It's like, you know, they're on the cooking channel and they're throwing in a little bit of this, a little bit of that, <laughs> and then you get the sound at the end. Um, but again, you can tell by the way I'm talking about this. I love this stuff, how they break down how things are made and how things become what we see later in in the movie but i can't stress enough that stuff happens late in the game (laughs) back to the future almost didn't get finished so it's not Mm -hmm. weird that these things are happening in closets or under blankets or late in the game that's normal so don't worry you know (laughs) at my job i i do video and audio and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. uh this story was interesting because just like a few days before like no longer than seven days before the article came out, I uh, had this. I, I got this big black curtain that we use for something else, and I put it on the wall and and like wrapped it around a corner to build like a tunnel. And then I ran my microphone into that into that cloth tunnel to deaden all reflections in every direction. And I just mm-hmm. go in there and it's dark, but you can read off of a paper. And I record my lines in this like blanket that's hanging from the ceiling that's wrapped all around me. And then this article comes out and it's funny because people are like, that's weird. And I'm like, it's actually like how I do it. Like in my closet on a is regular four, basis. Yeah. Yeah. It's four curtain rods around the roof of the room or not roof, the ceiling of the room. And each curtain mm-hmm. rod has a different black like thermal curtain on it. That's literally yeah. what it is. It yeah. just deadens the sound. Um, mm-hmm. John, did what what of the sound effects stuff popped out to you? Was it the George? <laughs> I mean, the, the George is cool, I guess. It's like the new Wilhelm scream or whatever. I don't know where it is or if anyone pinpointed it out. They're kind of keeping it a secret as far Storm as I Trooper. understand it. I don't think Pisana. anybody knows right now. Stormtrooper Pisana. I guarantee that's what it is. When he gets what? hit. I literally just fl- said, I don't think anybody knows right now. I guarantee that's what it is. I would put money on it. I'm so, I feel ta- so strongly about, about this. In the Rise of Skywalker, they're in the desert. The last stormtrooper that has a jetpack that's coming after them. Yeah. They shoot him and he does this ridiculous scream and then hits the cliff. And I remember I the first time I heard it, I was like, that is so out of place. That is so over the top. But if that's George, that's hilarious. I don't think well, I thought that was a scream too when I first saw it, but in subsequent viewings, I think it's his thing failing. It's not an audible scream. It's are you his, sure? Yeah, I think it's his jetpack well, failing. If is it something that would be believably also in the Last Jedi, and that something George Lucas would have recorded as a scream? It's like That's a really like, like is, yeah. and then he hits the cliff. I'm sure it'll come out eventually or someone will figure it out and yeah. we'll find Probably. out. Probably. But, but I, I remember they said the article was that they, a, a while ago, that they didn't use the Wilhelm scream in The Last Jedi and right. everybody was like, well, it's because we kind of have this new one that we've secretly been using. And I feel like mm. they even said they used it in Rogue One too. Maybe. But maybe. I think that's I so know. funny that they got George to do that. They were like, hey, man. No. It's it an wasn't. old scream yeah. of him from filming old movies like offset like on behind the scenes like, oh while got it got it got it got it i don't even um, think it was a star wars movie right no i don't think it was either i don't know if it That's was still hilarious indie or mm-hmm. or no no i think it might have been even american graffiti it might have been like really old i think um, it was an early one yeah, yeah. 
Um, no, I mean, that's cool. They said they have 2,000 new sound effects for just this, for The Rise of Skywalker, which is crazy to me. Um, and it's just like, the, the, all that these guys are doing is a tribute to like Ben Burt, the guy who invented every Star Wars sound effect. Like, it's you can't talk about Star Wars sound effects without that guy. Mm-hmm. He is Star Wars sound, just like John Williams' Star Wars music. So, But he never gets talked about. Um, but the other thing, uh, how they came up with the Death Star ruins sound by accident in a way where um, they were doing explosions and stuff, and the two guys, Matthew Wood and um, what's, the, what's the other guy's name? David a- uh, Accord. Uh, had to like take shelter in this like old metal barn and stuff, and the winds were whipping so far that they were put creating like push fires. So like you know, go in here for uh, you know safety until the winds die down. And the winds slapping against the metal and stuff, they're like, oh my god! He's like, dude, that sounds so cool. Like that could be. Let's capture that, and they wound up using it for the winds going through the ruins of the Death Star. So that is an organic sound from that experience of those guys just taking shelter from wind fires, which I think that is is pretty awesome. And it makes you realize how, like, uh, organic and blue collar at times this type of industry can be. We're always talking about, oh, it's Disney, it's big Hollywood, and it's you know these actors and they're all rich and blah blah blah. But like these guys are there with microphones in these, you know, borderline dangerous environments to capture these things. And sometimes they just come across a sound that they weren't even expecting to get. And, you know, to your, to your uh, point, Lacey, about, yeah, they always do this stuff all the time under blankets and in closets and stuff. It's like, you know, you, you watch all the old documentaries and you, 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 I love hearing old like Mark Hamill interviews where he really gets into the silliness of some of the ways they film some things for old Star mm-hmm. Wars movies. Like, he said the big moment where Obi-Wan reveals himself to Luke as a ghost in Empire Strikes Back was filmed literally three feet outside of their hotel door in Norway. Like <laughs> it wasn't in some magical location. They literally opened the hotel door. There's 20 feet of snow and they're like, go lay over there and we're going to film the shot. Or like um, the little girl who plays Ray in the famous scream, the no come back. It was on the roof of Bad Robot in California. Mm-hmm. Like... They do these types of things in all different types of places that may be convenient or time saving. And uh, of course, you know, everyone's going to take every one of those moments and run with it as though it uh, is some kind of conspiracy or helps fit their belief that something wasn't right or, you know, and that sort of thing. And people just really sometimes need to sit back and say, that's just something that happened uh, and, and try to make simplify it as much as possible instead of letting your brain run crazy with it. I know we all like to, our first instincts are to speculate and create theories. And we do that on the podcast about Star Wars projects and stuff. But mm-hmm. usually the the direct line is is uh, the easiest path to, to the truth. And uh, I would just advise people out there to always do a little more and try to find out a little more truth before you start tweeting and running and, and running articles and running blogs and starting to spread rumors about stuff. Because... You're not caught, you're not doing any good by just running wild with all these uh, you know chaos theories and stuff like that. Do a little more research. Look, you can find answers, and usually you will. It literally happens all the time. <laughs> How I can't did get str- to this. <laughs> I can't stress enough, like that. Films always have you know setbacks and production issues, and these type of scenarios where they're going to shoot a line with Adam or anybody. Mm-hmm could be planned it could not be planned it doesn't matter the end product is what matters not how Mm -hmm. they necessarily got there 
I don't know. Yeah. It's just people are crazy. Also, I wouldn't even consider it a setback. I mean, it's like planned that they're going to have to redo lines and someone's going to get uh, the the call and they're going to say, hey, we need you to get some lines from Adam. And he's going to go, okay. So then he calls up Adam and he's like, hey, man, what works best for you? Oh, I, I could just come over to your house, your place. We can get it there, you know? Yeah. And then we'll go. I didn't mean it like it was a setback. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying like where they work around actor schedules. So, yeah, it yeah. what I'm clarifying is it, it wasn't because they were like, like, oh, we're over budget. Let's right, just right. pay somebody a uh, thousand bucks to go film Adam. And the, since they don't have any money, they'll just do it. They'll have to do it in his closet or something like it was a, a mistake yeah. or poor planning or something. Sure. That's not the case at all. Like, yeah. Yeah, Adam Driver's like, I'm on Broadway doing this run. Like, I can't come out. Like, and they're like, don't worry, we'll come to you. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll just get it in. Yeah, yeah, we'll just get it in like the alley or something. I I have a booth. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, real quick to end up the, uh, to end the resistance report, I want to talk a little bit about comics because they're part of canon, right? You got to pay attention to them at least every once in a while. And I figured that Darth Vader number one, uh, might be a good uh, starting point, or at least like you know, let's let's take a little dive here. Um, now, to be fair, if you have not read Darth Vader number one and you are, you know, looking forward to it, you don't want any spoilers. We're going to talk probably about comic books for the next like five to ten minutes, so maybe skip ahead a little bit until you hear Lacey talking about the Scoundrels Rundown. But let's get to it real quick. Do you guys uh, check out the comic, Lacey? You're wearing red, and that's the color of his lightsaber. So, what'd you think? <laughs> I actually want to hear what John thinks of the comics first. Because <laughs> the time I, I throw have... to Lacey, she throws to John. <laughs> Only because I don't really have any hard feelings about these comics. I don't know. I haven't been able to really get into the Star Wars comics lately. I've just been like overwhelmed with everything else that's coming out. So sure, yeah. I know what happens, but I'm interested to see what John thinks because... I don't know. I feel like he's going to have a particular thought, and I wonder if I agree with him. So John, do you have a particular thought? I do, but people aren't going to like it. But <laughs> Okay. Is it that the comics don't matter? A little bit. Um, well, hear me out. So this comic, you, and I'll just, I'll just say it, Padme uh, appears to Vader as though she is alive, um, when he goes on this search for, you know, how Luke was hidden from him and how he was raised and he, uh, it hindered his growth and he could have been way more powerful. So he goes to Tatooine looking for Baru and Owen and they're dead and they're, we don't know where their bodies are, but then he sees the graves and he gets all mopey Vader again, which, well, um, comics are always trying to like emote Vader too much. So That's wait, when does this that, happen? I'm getting confused on the timeline. After so Empire Strikes Back. It's after he cuts off oh, Luke's hand. Oh, right, right. This is what <laughs> yeah. they talked about at New York Comic Con, right? Yeah, that they were starting this Greg Got pack. It. Of like name, a right? what Did if after Empire Strikes Back, we see that he's his dad. Not a what if. No, they no. presented it as that's what their thought process was when they were creating this. Is Greg mm-hmm. Pack said, when you first saw Empire Strikes Back and you're like, is Darth Vader his father? Is he telling the truth? What does this mean? Like, that's where they came mm-hmm. from with this. Now I'm remembering. Okay, sorry, John, go mm-hmm. ahead. Yeah, so, there, I mean, it's just the affirmation that it is true. Um, but the, this whole thing about how he finds out that, um, 
you know, Padme does deliver the kids and it takes them on this like kind of goose chase to find trace uh, all these things. And he winds up, uh, what does it say here? He traces surveillance devices back to its owner. That's what it is. Um, and the uh, owner should be impossible, but it's recognized to be um, Padme Amidala on some distant world. And he comes across her. And now it's got all these people saying that she survived and what's going on. You'll find out in the next issue. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) there is, I mean, obviously it's, there's something more to it. It's a projection or it's, you know, a a clone or which would be even more ridiculous. Uh, It's not Padme Amidala is the bottom line. And for them to be like, wait till the next issue and you'll find out how Padme's alive is so like, it's so cheap. Like, it's so bad. I'm sorry. Because and no point ever, ever, ever in the history of Star Wars comics are they ever going to do anything this, that major of a narrative shift that's tied to the films. It will never happen. And it drives me nuts that they that they try to sell it that way. It really bothers me. Like, I, I just it just it just seems like it doesn't have a purpose. And I'm sorry. I don't mean to be negative. Um, but I feel like I've been a little too positive on the podcast lately, so I need to unleash some of my fury here. I feel like we've had too many Darth Vader comics. I feel like they emote him way too much. Um, and uh, it's stuff like this, like, is Padme alive? I can't believe it. It's like the soap opera when the evil twin shows up and you're like, oh my God, you died last season, but we need to bring the actor back. So we're going to put them there and then we're going to tease them with the cliffhanger. Like, I'm so over it. I'm so done. Like, I, I try getting into the, the comics a little bit. But I mean, this is this stuff is just ridiculous. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, I disagree with all of that. Um, I think the comic's great. Uh, I I love that they picked up right there. Uh, as far as as far as this being a spoiler, like I know we set it up like it's a spoiler. It's not a spoiler at all because this is it's it's. It's so clearly not Padme that I don't think that it's an issue with anybody actually thinking that it's Padme. And I don't think the authors are intending it to be like, she's alive. So immediately you flip the page and you see that she's standing there and he says Padme. But it's it's clearly um, one of her doubles, like still protecting. Like he goes into her old room and we've we've explored Sabe in um, Queen's Shadow and we're getting mm. ready to release Queen's Peril, which is going to continue that story. And I just, I, I, I'll pass I, think on those too. I think you're way off base saying that this is like what it is when it's clearly not. I think that the comics are doing exactly like how I take saying? them and you're taking them in a really weird way. You're saying that they're trying to like pull things over on people and stuff. Not pull things over, but on a case by case basis, if someone read this comic in a vacuum or, and, and they saw that Padme came back, then they go telling people like, oh my God, can you believe that Padme was alive after the Empire Strikes Back? And not only no, that... Nobody would think that. Okay, but the problem with that is that there's YouTubers, there's bloggers, and people create articles about this saying Padme Amidala is alive during this time, Padme is alive during this time, and people believe it who are fringe fans, casual fans, and stuff like that, and then diehard fans have to tell them that that's wrong. It's just, it, it, there's no need for this story. It is completely irrelevant. It's, I, so it's, it's completely made to sell comics, and that's all it is. I see where John's coming from, and I think 
I I think that this story is doing a little bit of like a bait and switch because you know it's not going to be Padme. So for them to say, wait till next week, you'll see Padme, and then That's you're going mean. open the comic They're book not and it's not going to be that. Did you guys read it? Did I read it? No, I read the or summary. Did you read of the it. summary? I read the summary of it. Spoiler review. That that does not happen in the story. Like you read it. Where does it leave off? It, Where does it leave off? It just leaves off with her like standing there. And him saying what? He says Padme. But there hey, but there's no know? implication there. There's no, there's nothing here that you guys are, I, I know what you're doing. You're like twisting it and it's not, that's not the case. You I'm read not twisting it. it. There's, there's nothing supernatural about it. When you're reading it, there's nothing that makes you go, oh, she didn't die. Like you would have to be dumb in my opinion. I like, there, yeah, James, there, I got news for you. There's dumb people out there. I know, but I, but I, you can't. You can't say that they that the authors of the comic are trying to dig into that crowd and pull one over. I'm not just to get the dumb that. people to to do these videos and believe it. I I'm said not it necessarily could be saying that. that. I'm saying the story. I'm is, saying it kind of can't. I'm saying these stories aren't necessary. They're made to sell and make money, and uh, I believe that. And there's evidence to prove that. And also, I don't, I, I do think that it is a problem when people who do know better and know that that's not Padme still make articles about it to, to screw with fans' heads and start rumors and false information. YouTube channels running with Padme's but that's back, not the Padme's return. I'm not saying it is, but if you, you are don't saying need, it is, though. No, I'm saying if you, you're saying if this, it's all dumb, it's stupid, they shouldn't be doing this. It's I'm a not, useless story, it's just made to make money. It is. It shouldn't be happening. You're saying they shouldn't be doing it. I yes. okay. I'm not uh, too many saying Vader it's comics, dumb. In my opinion, I'm not saying it's dumb. I guess my question is: Is this story necessary? Yes. Like, no. no. I think it's cool. and I'm not saying that it's not cool. Is I'm one just thing. saying my first question is: Is it necessary? Because if I never heard the story of Vader looking for his son, I don't think it would change my Star Wars experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think. Vader looking for Luke is going to change my viewing experience of the original trilogy. I I but don't I mean get to say why yeah. they might want to tell this story. I should backtrack. I don't mean to say it's dumb because they're cool. I agree. Your word saying it's cool, James. I agree. It's cool. It's not necessary at all. I guess I need to separate those two things. Like I would prefer like the Afra thing where it's there, here's this new character and she's going on her adventures and doing this stuff as opposed to this stuff where it's like, let's fill in the gaps between this and this, even though it's completely not necessary because we can. If your main reason is because you can, that's to me not a good enough reason. It feels like they're wringing out the Darth Vader story. Quite a bit. I, but, I mean, but I, Darth Vader I don't is know popular. how to come back from that. I mean, I, all, all that it is to me is they I don't know what the story is, but they have this this interesting idea of like, what if Pat, what if Darth Vader was encountered by one of his by one of her still alive mm-hmm. lookalikes sure. like and and what would what would what adventures would ensue from that point on? And we don't know. We're going to, we're going to figure out how he treats someone who looks exactly and acts exactly like her, um, who holds her to the highest respect and is probably still on the mission to figure out who 
killed her and it's Vader, but she doesn't know that. It's an interesting story. So how do you reveal that encounter? That's probably the best way to do it. She walks into the room and you got to think that if that were to happen, if your wife died and someone who looks exactly like your wife walks into the room, you probably would go, hold on. What, you know, like she's 20 years older too. That's, you got to remember that too. So it's, I don't even think, I don't know. It's just, it's crazy to me that to think somebody would be like, oh, she must've lived. Like that's that's not conveyed in the comic. <laughs> that's at all. not really what I'm saying, but I understand yeah. what your your point there. And I'm not trying to dog on you know love for comics at all. I'm just saying the Vader stuff. Like they've made so how many Vader number ones have there been at this point? Like it's just like three. it's crazy. But here's the thing, I I get it. But but all three of those Vader comics have been great. Like so far, anything the first they do Vader with Darth series Vader is, is going to be cherished. great. I know, but uh, but I'm saying that's part of the reason is that that they have this complex character. Uh, yeah, and they could explore character. things with him that are intriguing and interesting, and and people want to follow it, and they like to hear those things. Mm-hmm. They're telling those stories. They've told them from different periods. Um, I know, but but yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like every time they do a Vader, it's a banger. So why wouldn't they keep doing it? <laughs> I love that you said banger. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it. He's like, I just, shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, yes, they should. It's uh, like asking yeah. Ariana Grande not to make good music. She can't. I, I get it that there are other series out there and other <laughs> characters that could be doing that are also good, too. I think it's you know, because I don't love every comic series, James, but I, you know, I've heard conversations and I stuff like that. five to ten minutes. Where it just, <laughs> it just sounds, it, it's a very just... It's such a strictly business thing, and I hate to be all jaded about it, but that's how they look at it. And it, they know that they can make money selling these books, and that's why they do them. It's not like, oh, this is the story we got to tell. It's like, was Vader alive during this time? What was the that's- time jump between these two movies? Let's do another comic series. Who wants to write it? I will! Bang. Yeah, I, I think that's true and false because it's true that somebody probably in the pipeline is going, uh, we make money on these things. We got to do them. They're dumb, but whatever. I'll hire somebody to do it. But the person, <laughs> the people that they hire are actively interested, I believe, in, in I'm not what saying the story not. that they're telling. But I'm telling you, it's not everybody just going over there like, I don't know, whatever. I'll just have him uh, <laughs> jump off this cliff and do 20 backflips. It's all stupid. <laughs> the people who are hired to write the stories are like, yes, I'll do Vader. I I have good ideas. I'm excited to explore the character. No, you're right. I agree. No more Vader uh, comics. Get him out of here. (laughs) Get him out of here. Uh, No, I mean, uh, but that same idea of what you're saying is, is while true, it's silly to think about because it goes bigger and bigger and bigger. The movies are that too. (laughs) There's somebody out there that's like, I don't know, make another Star Wars movie, whatever, and they sign off on it and they do it. But the people like who are creating it care. You guys are you guys are disrespectful. I'm no, not, James, not. I was listening to what you were saying. John you just You do the scoundrels re- rundown. John just grabbed his Vader helmet <laughs> and tossed it during mid yeah. mid your explanation. So I'm going, what is going on? Well, because I he James is making it sound like I don't respect the writers. That's not it. I'm just saying 
it's like what don't you respect then because you clearly like, don't respect this thing we're gonna make fast and furious part 11 because it keeps fast making money but no people you, like the money would, and there's a lot I of know, people who my care about point what's is, going on i would not criticize the person who writes it because they'll probably be like i want to do a good job because i have respect in my work the studio being, I was going to make Fast and Furious number 37 and Vin Diesel's 78 years old and we're still going to do it. That's how I feel about these Vader comics. You know what? That's if, all they bring, if they bring back Han again from Tokyo Drift, I'm in, which they did yeah. for this next I'm one. just, I'm, I'm trying, I feel like we need to compartmentalize what my thoughts were on this. It's not about, I'm not saying they're doing a bad job writing. I'm saying it's an unnecessary story that will create these false theories and rumors and stuff that will confuse casual fans and cause more fan disrupt and stuff like that. And when I ask the question, do we need the story or not? And I think no, but I completely understand your point of view and I'm probably wrong. I'm in the minority. People are going to say John sucks in the comments and that's okay. That is okay. But at the same time, James, I totally agree with you that it's a double and never does it say that it's like her ghost or anything. But for the people that haven't read Queen's Shadow, that haven't read these other books, someone like my husband, Matt, is going to go, so Padme's back? Because he doesn't he doesn't understand that she has all these doubles that look just like her. Because the last time he saw a double, it got killed. She got killed. I, Do you know I, what I mean? Like, if you're just no. trying to take it outside of the diehard Star <laughs> because Wars Because I think fans. if Matt read it, he would be reading it and he'd go, but wait, that character died. So he'd be like, I don't know. They'll to be honest, the next he probably one. doesn't but even... But she's <laughs> clearly not a ghost. She's clearly not uh, still alive. Well, that's how you find out like, if it's Padme. The end when... of the comic, the end of the comic is not a reveal that she's been hiding away this whole time. The, the only way you know whether it's Padme or not when Vader shows up is if she starts trying to break up with him when she first sees him. That's how you find out. And that's and that's all I've got to say about that. To be honest, it was all probably right. a bad example because Matt would be like, is that Darth Maul? And I'd be like, no, it's not <laughs> Darth Maul. James, you don't get my point of view, right? And I apologize. I just think you guys have a bad point of view on the comics. Okay, wait, like in hold stories. on, hold on. I never said anything about it being dumb. I said, me personally, it doesn't add to my journey of watching the movies. I retracted my dumb statement. Don't loop me in with this shenanigan over here. <laughs> I just said the story's not, not necessary masks. To, to make money. Anyway, John's okay. a scoundrel, scoundrels. and we're going to head into a scoundrel's rundown. You guys ready? Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, punch it. Punch it. Punch it. All right. You heard John shout out the Patreon generals at the top of the show. And if you want to learn more about Patreon, what it is, what we do, and what is offered, you can check out our three-minute video appropriately titled by me. Join the resistance. All the details of TRB's Patreon page on our YouTube channel. So it's a video I put together with everything breaking down all the tiers, what you get, what cool things can happen in your life when you join our patreon page on our youtube page and it's my i'm gonna face. start doing i'm gonna start doing comic reviews too on there john just really driving just it home kidding. oh I'm my goodness kidding. uh speaking of somewhat driving we're driving a contest right now a running one <laughs> <laughs> 
on our Twitter page. It's a little wordy. Hashtag, I'm just trying to keep it going. Hashtag, rate the resistance. And you can rate it saying Lacey's segues are terrible. Whatever you want. For Apple podcast users, one winner will win a TRB t-shirt of your choice. And we're going to announce the winner on March 1st. So how you do it. Three steps. One, you rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Two, you take a screenshot. Three, you tweet to us that screenshot with at or to us at R-V-A-T-S-O-U-N-N with hashtag rate the resistance. It helps us, spreads the word, helps us rank. And also we just like really get, I really enjoy getting feedback. So if you guys want to do that, you could win a t-shirt. Speaking of t-shirts, guys. What a segue. (laughs) I just read it off the paper. I didn't come up with that myself. Uh, Ray is all the Jedi, but now you can be too. We have a brand new t-shirt that we are really proud of that James made and designed called I Am All the Jedi. And it is a two-sided shirt with the phrase on the front and a silhouette of Rey on the back made up of a starry sky representing her connecting with all the Jedi at the end of the Rise of Skywalker. (sighs) Taking a breath. Check out the design and other designs like Make Solo 2 Happen at tpublic.com slash user slash resistance broadcast. They're super cool, so check it out. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to go to John with some cool questions. So Chewie, get us out of here. There he is back there. (laughs) He didn't get hit by the helmet. I thought you were going to hit him. (laughs) Ask the resistance time. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Um, you guys can obviously send in your questions. We usually put out a tweet asking for them uh, on Twitter. That's where you tweet at RBATSWNN, or you can email them to us uh, at resistancebroadcast at gmail.com. Or if you're a patron, you can shoot them uh, via message or on the community page. Uh, or even we use some uh, questions we don't use for Will the Force here as well. So, however, you want to guess a question, go for it. And these folks did. Um, Lacey, this one's going to you. Sweet dog. This is from Vlasic. Uh, which is at Matthew Vlasic. So way to get your handle, Matthew. Hey, Matthew. He asked, we live in a time where studios are listening to the fans' feedback more. Mm. Hopefully not mine. Uh, From Star Wars to to Sonic to Doctor Who, do you think this is healthy and the right way to approach franchises? (laughs) Is there a right or wrong way when you do listen to it all the two all to tell a narrative. Sorry. Okay. Matthew, this is a great question. And it's something that I myself have been pondering over the past few years. Um, It's just, it's a tricky place when you want to give the customers what they want and you want to make money and you want to do a good job, but it's like how much listening to your demographic and target audience is too much listening. You know what I mean? Like how much is too much? So the Sonic thing, I kind of agree with that they took time to listen to fans because that thing was atrocious and looked nothing like the video game, um, which honestly, Sonic 2 the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis is my first video game I ever really got into. So for that design, it was something that due to the bad press and how crazy it went over it, they had to listen. They couldn't not listen because of the reaction it got. Um... But at the same time, 
you know, something like The Last Jedi, when Ryan Johnson openly said numerous times that when you're a filmmaker, you have to make a movie for yourself and not for fans. And I somewhat agree with that. But then there are other times that it doesn't make sense. So that's why, like, as I'm talking through this to you, Matthew, it's tricky. It's definitely tricky. Um because you can end up with something too fan servicey where it doesn't make sense. Like, I'm pretty sure if they took feedback from all fans and made a Star Wars movie, it would be the worst movie <laughs> I've ever seen. And that's with my own input. I'm sure my own ideas are terrible because I'm not a professional. Um, so I think there's a fine line of listening to fans. But then it comes down to, like, which fans are they listening to? Because sometimes the loudest aren't the majority. So it's it's weird. It's one of those weird things that you just got to be careful. And I'm interested to see how it goes moving forward. Because things like Sonic, which a lot of experts and critics uh, specified when they decided to ch- make changes, is that they set the pace that now people are going to assume that they should always make changes. Um, so I don't know, man. That's tough. I don't think they should listen to fans, but that's just me. All right. But at the same time, studio executives are making bad decisions because I heard from an inside source about Sonic that people told them it looked terrible and a studio executive was like, no, make it look more human. It would make more sense. It's going to connect more. And then we got what we got. So maybe they need Mm. a little kind of slap in the face, Mm. so to speak. You got those Sonic sources. I do. Sonic sources. It's the um, only source I have. Let me have it. <laughs> they're putting a Sonic in up in New Milford. Everyone's really excited up here. They are? Yeah. Oh, there's one in Wallingford. You have to get off 12 and you can find it. You know what? Sonic is super greasy, though. It is kind of greasy. Um, and their right. water tastes like chlorine. Speaking of chlorine, this next question is going to James. Is it a nonsensical segue? Right? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right, James, this is from the Bookish <laughs> Rebel at the Bookish Rebel, but it's not their name, so it's not really written handle, I guess. Yeah. But James, do you think Ben Solo is stuck in the world between worlds? And that's why his force ghost wasn't shown at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Or do you feel that his ghost wasn't able to appear because he gave his entire life force for Ray to live? Um, right now that, that whole segment is very open to fan interpretation. Um, we don't have an answer and I know that's why you're asking me what my personal opinion is. I can tell you that for the first part of the question, do I think it's stuck in the world between worlds? Uh, that's why he wasn't shown at the end. I I don't, I I think world between worlds is something completely different. Um, I don't know that it necessarily has anything to do with, um, uh, where, uh, you know, the entity or the spirit of a person goes, Um, but I think the second part of your question is, is probably not the correct answer, but is closer, um, that his ghost wasn't able to appear because he gave his life his force, you know, to Ray specifically. So maybe there's some sort of, um, possibility because we haven't really ever seen this happen before, so they could write it to be whatever they want. Um, and going with that option of his force ghost is in Ray is sort of might be what they want to do. It just depends on the next person who wants to tell that story. Um, 
But I actually believe that the reason, and this is kind of a boring practical reason, of the reason there's a reason he didn't show up at the end, and I think it's because they wanted to show Luke and Leia, and that's it. I just think he he would be like third wheel, or fourth, fifth wheel, or whatever, whichever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I know that it could bring a lot of closure to a lot of fans, but I don't think that I don't think they wanted fans looking at Kylo Ren or Ben Solo and not paying attention to the other two. I think he would just pull away from what they were trying to do with that scene. So um, that's why he's not there, to be honest with you. I always thought it might be cool if Luke and Leia kind of parted and then looked back and then Ben Solo stepped up so that they get their moment and then Ben was there and it was a very definitive, this is the end. So like um, Return of the Jedi where he shows up after uh, Ben Kenobi and Yoda, right? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, absolutely. Def- yeah, a definitive. Because clear... I just I feel like we need a clear cut. Like this is what happened. <laughs> yeah, you know, James, you're taking the world between worlds thing. A lot of people are going with that one, but that's not a. That's more of a portal as opposed to a like purgatory, as I understood it, based on how. Uh, Ahsoka was pulled through um, and Ezra was able to look at his parents and stuff. And um, I, 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 the, the world between worlds is a conduit through which the force moves through. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best way to explain it is, is this is a place where it's like a fifth dimensional time and space bend. You can walk from, I don't know if anybody knows the analogy, like the paper and the flatlanders and you can bend it in the third dimension and it appears from one side to the other. It's getting really complex. I don't want to talk about that stuff, but I think that's kind <laughs> of star Warsy animation version of them just saying, Hey, there's some weird, like beyond time and space. Mm-hmm. Ray exists here at the same time that Padme exists here. So nothing really makes any sense. And again, (laughs) like, I think you're right. I don't think it necessarily is something that is more like the cosmic force. I think it's more of like bending of time and space Mm -hmm. in our present existence. You're right. Yeah. I don't want to get too into that. It's true. Yeah. It's again, another tricky thing. All right. Good answer though. And good question. All right. uh, Last one by Tony Rossi. At Tony Rossi Media. I could be wrong, but I think Tony just signed up on Patreon. I mean, he did. Hi, up, Tony. Hi, Tony. All right. Hey. Um, thanks. thanks for thanks for joining us, man. Um, all right. Tony said, though I enjoyed The Last Jedi, I hated that Luke Skywalker got killed off. Um, I think that's fair. I think a lot of people did too. Um, do you know if that was Ryan Johnson's idea and Lucasfilm Disney just went along with it? Or was it always the plan to kill off each of the original human characters in each sequel? Um, all right. So I did like digging on this based on like interviews with it. Ryan Johnson gave and, and testimonials. And as far, unless he is, was not telling the truth, it was his decision. And he said he danced kind of back and forth with, like we just said, the finality of showing that he died. Uh, he almost wanted to leave it a little questionable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he made sure he had him fade away with the force and that was his ultimate final decision. So uh, as far as I understand it and the historical records show, right, it was Ryan Johnson's decision to have Luke die there. And I think the reasoning behind it for him was that um, he couldn't imagine 
Luke going out in a in a more heroic way than saving all the people he loved um, by using them doing something that we've never seen happen uh, by a Jedi, like the most force strength powers possible by projecting himself there and uh, facing down uh, the First Order, not in the way that he joked about him doing earlier in the movie, but in that way that he wound up doing at the end there. So, um, yeah, Ryan Johnson's call there. Um, so, yeah, they went along with it, but that was um, it wasn't like he pulled the wool over their eyes. Um, now, do I think Mark Hamill liked that? No, I do not. But it's not his character, just like it's not ours. So, uh, but yeah, that was Ryan's call there. And uh, that's that. But thanks for uh, the question, Tony. Um, did you guys have any thoughts on that? Do you agree with that? That's how I re- That's how I took it based on Johnson's. Yes, Tony, I agree. I didn't like that he died. Oh, but I mean that it was Ryan's call. Like yeah. Oh, yeah, it was definitely right. He stood by it the whole press. That's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I want to make sure I wasn't saying that incorrectly. And that was like one of the things that led into the the discussion, which leads back to my question at the beginning of this was um, him standing by like, you can't make decisions based on what fans want. You have sure. to make sometimes the difficult decisions. That was one of the things he was referencing is, is yeah. mm-hmm. the death of Luke Skywalker. But you know what's not a difficult decision is whether or not you want to send questions to us. So like I said before, send them over to Twitter at RBATSWNN, our email or on Patreon. We'll get you on the show. We'll talk about your handle and have a good time with those. So we hope you guys uh, enjoy those and keep them coming. And uh, if you're tweeting, always use hashtag AskTheResistance because it helps us find them easier. So thank you for those. Um, But that brings us towards the end of the show. So first, I want to say thank you so much to everyone who is listening and watching every week or whether you're new to us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, remember the Rate the Resistance contest Lacey talked about before, so do that. We're driving that over on Twitter. Driving it over, right off exit 12. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, tweet to us, hashtag Rate the Resistance, and you'll be entered to win one of our Um, t-shirts. Make sure you are uh, going to StarWarsNewsNet.com every day for your latest Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Subscribe wherever you hear us or wherever you watch us if you're on YouTube. How are you? Thanks so much for joining us there. Uh, we've mentioned our Patreon generals before at the top of the show. Thank you again, guys. Uh, again, the merch Lacey talked about before. And just if you want to join us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Our tiers start at $2 a month for page access. We just started adding new stuff to the Patreon page in addition to what we're already doing. We're going to be giving kind of a behind-the-scenes look at us planning the shows, recording before, recording after, kind of our mindsets and what's going on with us there. And How also, dumb Lacey's, Lacey going to be, is. <laughs> Lacey's going to be doing gaming nights um, for yeah. uh, Battlefront on PS4. So starting on yeah. um, the 11th, which tomorrow. is tomorrow. Yeah, so tomorrow night. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey and at Star Wars Newsnet. James? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Myra Trunks. Nice. Lacey? People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin. I'm nervous about these behind-the-scenes clips because I am dumb. <laughs> I'm, ner- I'm nervous about the comments about my take on the comics, frankly. But uh, Guys, Thursday, we're going to be doing a little fun with a Kessel Run Uh, talking about our 12 favorite moments, our favorite scenes from the sequel trilogy. So uh, start thinking, put your thinking caps on and uh, come up with your list so then you can compare yours with ours. But uh, until then, enjoy your weeks. Uh, Keep loving Star Wars and uh, we'll see you next time on the Resistance broadcast. See you around, kids. Bye.